I'm Erica. And I'm Jules. Most people have at least one thing that they can't or won't eat. Yeah, we're definitely like that. We started this podcast to talk about the gluten-free food industry. Like new products and some of the stories behind your favorite brands. And living life with a specialty diet and also some important healthcare topics. Since we're basically both broken inside. You had me at eat. Hey, Erica, have you eaten out at any good restaurants lately? You know, I have. There are so many near us that do such good work for gluten-free that we are very, very lucky. Yeah, I'm so jealous because I actually live in a pretty decent metropolitan area. And considering that fact, you would think there would be a lot more dedicated gluten-free restaurants around here, but there really aren't. I live in Baltimore. I mean, you know, the suburbs of Baltimore and there are a couple, but I don't know. It's, it's kind of, uh, I'm jealous every time I (laughs) I hear about all the places that you get to go in the Phoenix area that have dedicated gluten-free options. And, um, we just really don't. And I, I I don't, I don't like eating at non-dedicated gluten-free places if I don't have to. So I just mostly cook at home. Yeah. I mean, so I would cook at home except for I'm get very sick of my own food very quickly. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we do have some dedicated bakeries. It's really hard to find dedicated restaurants here, which is really, you know, the reason why I travel, but we do eat a a lot of non-dedicated restaurants that do have some sort of either corporate training um, to handle food allergies and celiac disease, or if I just know the restaurant well, you know, and it's been reviewed well, in, in other apps. So again, that's why I travel, you know, I travel so I can eat at other bakeries and other food places. Hey honey, I'm going to leave for the weekend because I'm hungry. (laughs) And honestly, I have this weekend free and I'm like, the flights to Vegas are so cheap. I have free hotels. I could totally go there and eat at like my favorite sushi restaurant and be just so happy. And then I'm like, that's a lot of carbon emissions. And I start to feel very guilty about how much I <laughs> all travel for, all for just for food. food. Yeah. Pretty yeah. Much. Well, no, sushi, so sushi is pretty easy, you know, when to find a good gluten-free sushi place isn't that bad. And we, we do have a couple of places around here that we go to for gluten-free sushi. Um, I, I find ethnic food is, is probably the easiest to eat out at for gluten-free. Um, yeah, you know, food sushi. that wasn't traditionally made with wheat. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, like Thai, Indian, sushi, those are those kinds of places, um, you know, more rice-based uh, to begin with are definitely our go-tos when we do eat out. But um, yeah, but, you know, the when, when you run into trouble is when you go to these places that are more Americanized and they have, you know, the so-called gluten-free menus, those are the, those are the tricky ones because they're not necessarily what they purport to be. And, you know, I found that they're getting worse, you know, when they were first introduced years ago, uh, people like, I think were, were really trying to at least most of them were trying to do a good job because they were like, oh, gluten, um, you know, what is that? And I need to figure this out. And if I'm going to put gluten-free on a menu, I'm going to know what I'm talking about. And now people just throw it around because they think there's so much fad dieting and people don't really care. And, you know, you hear about all these horror stories about, you know, uh, chefs and even waiters, you know, 
trying to trick people and say, oh, let's see if they get sick or whatever, you know, who knows if, if a lot of those things are, are serious or not, but like, you know, or just found on Reddit. Yeah. <laughs> Reddit, Reddit horror stories. Yeah. Reddit or- yeah. I do not go on there because of those. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. I mean, I think that a lot, what we're seeing nowadays are like people mistaking the gluten-free diet for possibly like a low carb version or like a better it's for you. Carb definitely version. not low carb. Yeah. Or like using, you know, better for you grains. It's like, yeah, no corn and, and rice. And it's, you know, it's, yeah. I, I don't really understand why, but we're seeing a lot more like the gluten-friendly version. And it's like, are you friendly towards gluten or are you friendly towards oh, gluten-free? Yeah. Versus gluten aware. Like, okay, <laughs> you're aware that there's gluten in this or like, I don't understand what that means. <laughs> so yeah. So the number one thing around. you see that gluten free on the menu and you're like, okay, well let's investigate further. So let's bring the server over and say yeah. like, Hey, see that your fries are gluten free. Are they made in a dedicated fryer? Are your chips fried in the shared fryer? Like that's why when I go to all these places around me that are not traditionally, you know, dedicated gluten-free, I've already asked those questions and I've already gone through the ringer. You know, there's one near me that has fries that are made in a dedicated fryer, but they're not even on the menu for dinner because they're a lunch only thing. And I'm like, Hey, do you still have some of those fries left? Cause I will definitely eat them. <laughs> I, I love do not dedicated care if they're fryer cold. fries. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, Every time I go to someplace with a dedicated fryer, I always post, and I'm like, you know, these are my, this is my love language, dedicated fryer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for like, sure. You don't understand unless you're me. Right. But so often they'll have that gluten friendly on the menu and they're like, oh yeah, no, we do have a shared fryer. So you should be aware of that. I'm like, yeah, that's not going to work for me. That's why it's friendly and not yeah. gluten free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I I don't know. There, I I post about this stuff all the time about these gluten free menus and people. It's always the thing that lights people up. They're like, you know, yes, this is important to me, and uh, yes, I'm so confused, and you know, yes, I get so depressed about this, and you know, it's just it's one of those things. Once you're living gluten free, eating out becomes such a big deal because, you know, you have to do it once in a while, you know, even if you, when you live at home, you're like, I never eat out because it's too inconvenient or too scary or or what have you. But if you travel for work or for family obligation or, you know, for any, any number of things, vacation, what have you, there's always going to be some time when you find yourself in a situation where you need to eat out. So how do you do it safely? What do you do? And it's, it's, it's a trick. So, you know, uh, I'm going to ask you a personal question. (laughs) Okay. Uh, how do you feel about the NEMA sensor? Yeah, that's a, that's a hard one. So what's for all of you who don't know my relationship with NEMA before it was purchased, I was one of the initial testers for them and have been on their, um, you know, I've been paid by them in the past when they were initially owned by Shireen and um, they're an amazing company. And I, I do believe their heart was in the right place. Obviously, they wanted to stay safe when you dine out and there's no real way to test your food. Unfortunately, all NEMA, NEMA sensor and all lateral flow devices, lateral flow technology, it all has the same limitations. And I feel like if you know the limitations of the device you're using, that's great. 
use it. But everything, including the results, are with a grain of salt. You know, with the lateral flow devices, something like NEMA, you're only putting a small sample into this canister and anything that's being tested. Um, so you're not getting the entire dish, right? You're supposed to check like grill marks, right? So if I have a piece of chicken that's been on the grill, I'm going to test the part that has a grill mark. And it will tell you several times I went out to a restaurant in the middle of nowhere, Indiana, and they're like, oh, no, 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 it's gluten-free. And everything came back with gluten found. Um, and and again, even those results you have to take with a grain of salt because they could be finding results that are under 10 ppm, which would still be you know 10 parts per million, which is still be considered safe for those with celiac disease. And even if it is 10 ppm, I mean you're not eating you know a pound of this chicken, so technically you'd be safe. But I, I think that it could be used in in certain situations, but again, it is not a be all end all. And that is what got NEMA and NEMA users into trouble is everyone's like, no, this is saying X, Y, and Z, like it's black or white, but NEMA and all lateral flow devices are really just a shade of gray. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, largely with what you're saying. And I have never been a NEMA fan because of that. And, um, I've never, been somebody who has advocated for people to rely on the NEMA because I think it has so many faults that, um, it's can... not even faults. It's limitations. Like it's, it's yeah. like, like, it, and I think that like, don't over promise something, you know, because yes. it's not keeping you safe. It is literally a tool in your toolbox and it comes with so many limitations. But also I think for me, it's different because you get symptoms fairly quickly and my symptoms don't come on and suffer much later. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So much later. And then I suffer for weeks after that. So for me, any sort of canary in a coal mine effect that I can get, I will take. And perhaps that's the difference between us. It's like, I, if I don't get symptoms for a week and I don't know where it's from, that's really difficult for me. So if I can use any sort of device to even give me a heads up, that would be helpful. And it's not just NEMA to be, to be, to be perfectly honest. I was actually just pitched a device. It's called eCove and it's something very similar to NEMA and it's a lateral flow device. And I think you're going to see a lot about it here coming up soon because they're just now getting into the U S market. And I think you're going to see a lot of push towards this. And, and, you know, I haven't tried it yet, so I can't really say anything good or bad, but it's, again, it's another, lateral flow device. So it has its severe limitations. And I think the same conversations are going to be had with NEMA about this device. And I'm sure we can talk about all of the limitations on a future episode. Oh, yeah. Well, right and it, now it it's all... just about dining <laughs> out, but I did wanted to give you all a heads up that like, you're yeah. going to be seeing more of this. We're going to be oh, having absolutely. more and more of these conversations mm-hmm. very soon. And, and it, it all comes down to the messaging, right? Like it, if they're not explaining to the user all of these limitations and how they're supposed to use it, as you say, in the toolbox, then no one's ever going to understand what what they're supposed to be uh, using it for, how they're supposed to be relying on it, and how they're supposed to be not, you know, just saying, oh, I can go 
you know, to any restaurant and just pull out my lateral flow device and, you know, go from there. And, and that's, I think, fundamentally where the system breaks down is because people didn't understand how to use it and because it does have so many limitations. But you're right. Like, there, we're going to be seeing more of these. Why are we not? I mean, obviously, this is something that people can make a lot of money off of because, it's, mm-hmm. it's, you know, yeah, buying these capsules is super expensive. Um, and uh, it's a consumer device. So people are going to want it. I mean, they're going to be clamoring for anything that can allow them yeah. to perhaps eat out more safely. So yeah, um, Ecove is probably just the first of many we're, we're going to see. So what about apps? What what kind of apps do you do you like to use when you go out besides mm-hmm. the obvious ones that people all, all know about, like Find Me Gluten-Free? Yeah. I mean, I to be fair, I love Find Me Gluten-Free because it's community sourced. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also try Yelp because um, you never know. There's a bunch of people that don't know about finding gluten free, so they're going to about they're going to be reviewing on Yelp um, as well. And then I obviously search for blockers that are in the area because honestly, the best way to look for new places in an area is going to be through bloggers. And speaking of bloggers, one of them actually has their own app. Um, so Scott from Gluten Dude has his own app, and it's going to be. Uh, I mean, it is awesome. I've seen it. Yeah. I have it. I'm a lifetime subscriber. It's a great <laughs> app. Um, and it, it, again, is community sourced. And it's a lot more stringent uh, than Find Me Gluten-Free, which can be used for people who don't necessarily have celiac disease, um, who are just trying to avoid gluten. So yeah, I think a combination of all of those ways to use the internet to make things easier is, is honestly the only way that I go through traveling anymore. Yeah. I actually start with gluten dude app now because it is vetted, um, so closely by, mm-hmm. um, by Scott and, you know, he will start with that, um, you know, those restaurants and call them and find out, you know, if they're dedicated gluten-free, if they have a dedicated fryer, you know, all of those things, if they use, uh, soy sauce or not, or, and one of the things I really like about, um, about that too, is because of this whole, um, deglutenized wheat starch issue that's out there now, whether or not the restaurant is using the, that type of wheat starch in their pizzas, for example, those are questions that he asks and finds out the answers to those and puts that information in, um, into his app reviews. And then if he hasn't reviewed something, then I, my next, um, jump is over to find me gluten-free because I do love that community source uh, Mm -hmm. aspect of it. And they have so many more listings, but because it's community sourced, you're going to get stuff from like seven years ago or, yeah. you know, and super yeah. random people are like, Oh, I got so sick there. And the next person's like, I never get sick there. And yeah. So you just have to take it as you yeah. say, this is absolutely a plug yeah. uh, for gluten dude app too. So I am oh. shamelessly plugging that <laughs> endlessly. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, hopefully we can have Scott on for an episode oh, where yeah. we can talk about his app. I know you've interviewed him before. Um, obviously he's a, a longtime friend of ours and we're just so proud of what he did with this app. And um, we're, big fans. So yeah, no, we'll definitely, we should definitely have him on soon because he's doing some, some great things. We'll definitely do that. But, um, but yeah, I think, you know, as, as things develop and evolve and there, we do have apps and, and lateral flow devices and, and other ways to, um, community source the information. Um, there, there are ways that you can eat out safely. And, and I, I want everyone listening to know that, you know, just because you have celiac disease or you have a food allergy, um, that is keeping you, you know, from feeling uncomfortable eating out, there are ways to do it safely. And,
and do it um, in an educated way. And there are more and more restaurants that are getting the memo that, that food allergies and celiac disease are not going away and these are not fads. And mm -hmm. so they're, they're jumping on board. Um, Gluten-free customers are here to stay. And the best way to keep your customers safe is through training. And yes, um, yes, yes. Yeah. Talk more about that. There are so many <laughs> uh, options for training. And uh, I believe that you're actually a certified master trainer. <laughs> Heck yeah, girl. You know, yeah. It. <laughs> let's, um, I know that you did this amazing interview with, um, with, uh, Betsy from, um, menu Trinfo, uh, kids with confidence. And then she also has an accreditation service. She's kind of a, a jack of all trades or a Jill of all trades. Um, let's talk about that episode. Cause I'd love to, to introduce our readers to, to her and, and what she does. And, um, you know, talk about a little bit about what you're also doing or how you work with her. Yeah. So Betsy Craig, uh, she, as you said, she's the CEO and, and the founder of Menu Trinfo and Kitchens with Confidence, uh, which is an allergen and gluten-free accreditation service. And full disclosure, uh, um, the, uh, uh, Kitchens with Confidence and Allertrain, I work with them um, in, in some regards. I am a master trainer and and through that i have trained um various restaurants and actually some colleges and university dining services as well uh, but i also my products my gf jules products are certified uh, top eight allergen free through menu trinfo and so it's a it's a service that i thoroughly believe in and i'm proud to have um, participated in the training myself but also to have their auditing services utilized um, for my products. But uh, Betsy's awesome. She's been in this field for a long time and has been in restaurant training for a really, really long time. And, and I had her on the show a while back and she just is a font of knowledge in terms of restaurant training, front of the house, back of the house, and has mm -hmm. really been in this field for a while and has seen it evolve in um, just where training has been and where it's going and has been in the trenches. And it's really fascinating just to hear her talk about, um, you know, why restaurants need to be on board with this and how she's sort of brought them along and has really ushered in a new era um, in a lot of ways for restaurants, dining halls, you know, colleges, universities, K through 12, like, um, you know, all these different areas for training, which is essentially what everyone needs in order to properly serve um, the food allergic and celiac public. Yeah, before I um, I met Betsy years, years ago when I was still at the magazine, when we were still at the magazine. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I loved listening to her talk and I honestly had no idea what menu trinfo was what training was like i had no clue that there was an organization that you could go out there and actually train your staff and really have them understand like i, I guess i didn't really get that whole issue and then i met betsy and and learned about her program like this is incredible um why aren't more organizations taking advantage of this and, and hopefully we will see a lot of that more in the future as well but um yeah so let's uh Let's have a listen to our throwback vintage episode uh, featuring none other than Jules herself and uh, Betsy, the CEO and founder of Menu Trinfo. So have a listen and uh, we can't wait to hear what you think.
Hello and welcome to the Gluten-Free Voice. I'm Jules and I am your host again for another episode talking about all things gluten-free. This week we're going to be talking about something that is always a very popular topic. We've discussed it before, but there never seems to be enough time to cover the topic well, and that is how does someone who is eating gluten-free for medically necessitated reasons, whether they're celiac or have a gluten sensitivity, whether they have a wheat allergy, a child you know, who has autism spectrum disorder, whatever the reason why you're eating gluten-free, you have to eat gluten-free. How do you go out? How do you go out of your home and trust that restaurants are going to take care of you, trust that they're going to get it right, that they're not just giving lip service to the gluten-free menu, which we see so many of all around. So I thought I would invite back to the show one of my favorite people who is an expert in this field as well, and she'll help flesh out some of the issues and help us to figure out what's the best way to con- you know, to really eat out safely as consumers and to help restaurants do their best job as well. Her name is Betsy Craig. If you are familiar with the show, you've probably heard her on the show before. She's the CEO and co-founder of Menu Trinfo, which is a company that provides nutritional analyses for products, but it also provides allergen training, so not just gluten-free allergens, but also um, other types of food allergens, you know, eggs, nuts, dairy, other things like that that you um, may or may not need to look out for in your personal menu, but restaurants need to be aware of how to treat um, patrons safely who have those other different food allergy restrictions. So, Betsy, thank you so much for joining us and taking time out of your busy schedule to discuss this ever-present and popular topic. Well, Jules, thanks for having me back on. I'm certainly thrilled to be here and uh, love talking about what I'm crazy passionate about. Yeah, well, and we we share that passion, and you and I could probably talk for hours, as we have in the past, um, about about the subject. But for those of you who maybe even perhaps you're new to the gluten-free diet, or even if you're an old hand of the gluten-free diet, you may not feel comfortable going out necessarily. And and I mean, I know I have that experience myself, and I've been you know eating gluten-free, and I've been an expert on gluten-free living and cooking for for years. And it, it does sort of give you pause when you're putting your health or your family member's health in the hands of someone else when, you know, it's in your own kitchen, you can control that. But when you go out, you know, it's, it's another thing altogether. So bring us up to speed, Betsy. Tell us what are some of the latest things that are going on that you see in the industry that restaurants, you know, are really starting to take it more seriously. I mean, I mentioned at the top of the broadcast, there's tons of restaurants now have gluten-free menus, but so what? I mean, as a gluten-free consumer, that doesn't necessarily make me feel good just because you say it's gluten-free. How do I know it's gluten-free? So t- tell us what's going on. So, so Jules, through the last few years especially, we've seen gluten-free in restaurants go from a, an idea or one person asking to really uh, one in every ten people is asking for a gluten-free menu in a restaurant setting, whether it be for a medical reason or a choice diet, they're asking to have something on their plate that doesn't contain gluten. And restaurant chores in the beginning, honestly, I believe, were trying to hope it would go away, that it was a fad or, you know, a special diet that people would walk away from and not keep asking. And um, the NRA, and as well as uh, Nation's Restaurant News publication, continually, year after year, especially the last couple of years, show gluten-free dining as one of the major trends. It was number five at the National Restaurant Association level in 2013, expecting it to stay at number five in 2014. So, Restaurateurs are having to call on this kind of resource, whether it be the chef in the back or an outside resource, to satisfy these needs. And 
you know, as you started, um, restaurants just slapping gluten-friendly on a menu or, um, you know, those good for those on a gluten-free diet, 99% of those, um, it's no longer cutting it. Um, people are coming in and saying, you know what, I want a gluten-free food or don't play with me, don't sort of halfway anything. Um, there was a large um, bagel company that did a 99% gluten-free bagel, and I used to open a talk I gave on gluten-free saying if you're 99% not pregnant, you're still buying Pampers. And um, mm-hmm. and that is the bottom line. So restaurants yeah. are having to come on board. Yeah, and I sure. think, you know, there's this constant um, tension between, you know, restaurateurs and, and even, you know, the people on the floor, you know, the, the people who seat you, the people who serve you, the people in the kitchen who – you know, they read or they hear that gluten-free is a fad diet and people don't really need it. And you, everybody tells the story of the, you know, the, the patron who comes in and says, you know, I have to eat gluten-free, you know, give me gluten-free pasta. And then they order, you know, dessert. They order, you know, angel food cake or whatever. And, and you know, oh, I'm just trying to cut back on my gluten. Everyone tells that story. And, you know, I'm sure that it does happen. But for those of us who truly need to be on a gluten-free diet, is there are there keywords? Is there something that we can say to these folks in restaurants that they're like, you know, wink, wink? No, I really, really need a gluten free diet. I mean, how do you communicate that with them? <laughs> so you want the secret handshake? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm looking for. Can you can you describe the secret handshake so they all know that they're really supposed to perk up their ears and, and treat treat our uh, you know, our meals differently and safely? I wish so bad there was because it would make it simpler. So I'll I'll tell you a quick story. First off, there is no secret handshake. However, the restaurant industry and the food service industry is absolutely coming around to realizing it's not a fad. It's not going anywhere. It's time to step up. Stop rolling your eyes. Stop being mean about it. Stop going there just being fussy and take care of the diner. One of the, we started as a nutrition company and then rolled into identifying allergens and then realized we better teach people how to um, handle it front of house, back of house. And one of our lines is we're in the hospitality industry. We need to show that even with special dietary needs and especially with diet, special dietary needs. Um, one of our, we have a couple cool taglines that drive the message home to chefs where we say keep the hospital out of hospitality. Um, I and love just it. really letting them know, you know, you're taking people's lives in your hands. And as much as you think it might be fussy, there's EpiPen bills coming down the pike that are going to make it one day mandatory for restaurants to have generic EpiPens for food allergies. It's coming. Um, the legislation's been introduced already in Virginia. Um, and it hasn't passed yet, but it's a coming. Um, so yeah. food why, allergies. Why wouldn't and you gluten. pass it? Yeah, who's, who's going to oppose that? Right. <laughs> you have an AED, right? So, right. Um, hello, you know, this is just another wonderful tool a restaurateur can have to help the diners once the law passes and it's legit and they're allowed to. So um, what I'm seeing is sort of uh, the the trend being the gluten-free diner is still here, is here to stay, and restaurateurs are getting more and more on board. Um, in Allertrain, which is Menu Trinfo's training program that's national and fair endorsed, and we can get into all that in a second, but our training program, we talk about chefs, executive chef, manager, you set the tone. And any consumers out there that are listening to this, you all have the huge power. You have the power of the purse. And the power of the purse says you walk in and see a gluten-free menu or see a gluten-friendly menu, 
encourage that owner to actually get it certified and then leave and go someplace that can take care of you. Go to a place that has a certified gluten-free menu. Well, let's talk about that because I think there's a lot of of confusion about that. I think a lot of consumers um, think that if there's a gluten-free menu, that means it is in some way certified or endorsed or reviewed or something. How else can they put gluten-free on their menu? And I think that happened with gluten-free food labeling too. Consumers were under the misunderstanding that if a consumer – previous to the FDA's gluten-free food labeling regulations, which are going to become final this year. But prior to that, you know, if a a package said gluten-free on it, well, that must mean it is gluten-free. You know, it's almost like everything you read on the Internet is right, you know. Um, And I think (laughs) a lot of consumers think if a menu says it's gluten-free, that means it's gluten-free. And and the sad reality is it's not. Um, So how is a consumer supposed to know the difference between a certified menu or one that has um, backed up with some training so that these restaurateurs, the line chefs, everyone knows how to keep the food safe? Well, it's it's a great question, and there's about seven parts to it. First off, the FDA did <laughs> come out in their regs. I know, it's just a tiny little question, right? Um, the FDA did come out in their regs, and they strongly suggest that um, restaurateurs – um, that's important for restaurants to understand. If they're going to use the term gluten-free or any of the other cutesy terms that are close to it, they've got to be compliant with the new FDA standards, which are 20 ppm or less, and that's a different debate. Um, so what they're saying is, and I, I've actually got it pulled straight up on my screen because I didn't want to misrepresent it. I usually have it in a slide. Um, state and local governments are going to be responsible for the oversight of the restaurant tours that have those menus. Well, the health department inspector's got a million and ten things to do. This is going to be one more. But the health department inspector is the one who's going to be charged with, all right, you say it's gluten-free. Show me how you can assure it's gluten-free. And what's interesting is I'm personally, and Menutrimpo is doing a webinar with health departments all across the country um, and health inspectors all across the country. I'm teaching them what to look for from the back of the house. The consumer can go in and say, where's your seal? Did, did GIG, Menu Trinfo, or SCA certify this menu? There's only a couple of us out there doing it. And if you don't see one of our seals on there, nobody's checked it except the chef that is might have the best intentions in the world but doesn't understand barley does mean gluten. And we have seen that over and over again. So, I mean, that's... That's a short answer for a big question. Look for a seal, and the health departments are who's going to be checking it to try to help get your back on the backside. Right. Well, when do you think that we're going to start seeing that implemented on the state level? I know every state's different, but, you know, you're talking about the fact that you're going to be starting to do some training. Um, you know, are they they're really perking up their ears? They're really going to start start enforcing this on a state level? Well, they're going to have to. It's it's become it's becoming regulation. It's got to come down from um, the health departments. Uh, the health department turns to an organization, a trade association in D.C., to give them direction and information and teach them what to look for. We're going through it on trans fats, menu labeling, and gluten free. All three topics. They're all three hot topics. They're all three very timely topics, and they're all three new items that are going to hit the plates of health departments like this year, 2014. Um, so, you know, there, it's 
two sides of the same coin. We got the backup from the health departments and we got the consumers going in and seeing a menu and saying, okay, how do we know who's checked this menu? Or um, calling ahead and saying, is it a certified gluten-free menu? And if they can't say, yes, it's been certified by XYZ, then, you know, there is no secret handshake in that house. Not yet. Right. Right. Okay. And I think, you know, a key message here is that I don't think that most restaurateurs are, um, you know, deliberately ignoring training options or are trying to deceive the consumers. I think, I think it's purely an education piece where they think they're doing the right thing by offering gluten-free options, but don't necessarily know or understand the nuances to keeping the food gluten-free from the time that it's made to, you know, the time that it actually gets out to the table. So, you know, as a consumer, it's not about, you know, blowing up the the um, airwaves about, you know, this restaurant doing the wrong thing necessarily. It's about educating the restaurant about their options too, like saying, did you know you could get certified? Did you know that you're your restaurant could receive training. Did you know that you could be doing it better? And um, doing that in a nice way, because I think there are plenty of people who certainly, as you and I have, have seen, Betsy, so many people in, in the restaurant industry who, who are still unaware of the fact that this is out there, that these are options that are available to them. How, who would a consumer point to if they were going to try to help educate a restaurant, let's say, you know, their, their neighborhood, their favorite neighborhood restaurant, they want them to get certified. How would they give that restaurant information about getting certified? So there's there's a couple of ways a restaurant can get certified, um, one of which is through us. We do certification, whether it be certify the menu, train the uh, chef uh, through Allertrain, which trains on gluten-free and food allergens, um, we even are now launching a whole kitchen audit program where we'll go in and see what their protocol is. Basically, from we're saying from pallet to pallet, you know, from mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. the back door pallet to your pallet. How is the food staying safe all the way to your taste buds? Uh, loading dock to tabletop. Um, so that's that's an idea, whether it be the training or the certification. And because the certification of the menu or the menu item, Jules, is just a piece of the equation like you're describing. But it's a huge piece. We got to make sure there's no sub-ingredients in there. And that's not an expensive process for restaurateurs, but it's only a piece of the puzzle. Um, There Mm -hmm. are other training out there. There's other training out there. Um, I mentioned GIG or NFCA. They both do gluten-free training. They don't do allergens. They just do the gluten side. Um, there's mm-hmm. just straight allergen training. Um, there's a couple different online ways the chefs can do it. Um, we teach the 90-minute class covers everything. We figure if I get, I always figure if I get an executive chef for 90 minutes or an owner for 90 minutes, I'm going to train him everything I can. Um, yeah. Those minutes are precious. Yeah. precious. Yeah. So. Well, and, and so many people are dealing with more than just gluten. I know in my family it's gluten and dairy. And I know a lot of other families, you know, they have other issues as well. It might be, you know, peanuts and soy or, or something like that. So, and, and really, the way that they handle keeping the food safe is the same, whether you're dealing with egg or gluten. Um, it doesn't matter. It's, yep. it's a matter of understanding, A, what's, you know, in your sub-items and what you're adding to the dish and B, preparation and C, presentation. So um, those things work no matter whether you're talking about gluten or another food allergen. So I think, I think it's commendable that you're trying to, to grab that opportunity and educate the chefs on more than just gluten. But 
Um, what would be the best website for them to go to if they were going to point um, a, a restaurant or a chef or something to the programs that you offer to restaurants? Well, there's there's two ways. One, they could shoot them straight to our website, which is you you can hit allertrain.com or menutrinfo.com, and you end up with our online training, live training. You can schedule a class, all of that. Yeah, I was actually just reading an article today about a um, – a college in Nebraska, and they were talking about how, you know, this college had really embraced trying to meet the dietary restrictions of its co-eds, including things like vegan, um, and that there were, they're now seeing this trend where students are choosing their universities and their colleges based upon their dining um, options, you know, to meet their dietary restrictions, yep. which, you know, we saw that starting several yep. years ago, but as after the Leslie University case, you know, there's so many more universities that are really um, dialed into the fact that they need to take care of this issue and to not yep. just do, do an adequate job, do a good job if they want to attract students and they want to stay out of trouble. <laughs> but um, for those who are, who are not familiar with the Leslie University um, case, why don't you just give a brief synopsis of that so that folks know, you know, why now all of a sudden the universities and um, groups like FAIR are interested in entering universities with these training programs for chefs. Sure. The Leslie University case has absolutely uh, been paramount for making a big change in attitude, especially for universities um, and colleges across the country. They they had some. They had one particular student who started, um, in, I think, at the end of 2008, who had special dietary needs, and actually she had a um, uh, she needed to eat gluten free for medical reasons, and the university employed an outside agency to run their food service. And they mandated um, the student buy a food plan. The problem was on the food plan, there wasn't proper food at that time for her to be able to eat. Um, and this is my understanding of the whole um, brouhaha around it. Um, the student requested to be out of the meal plan so she could provide for herself. Leslie University said no. Um, the food service purveyor appeared to be sort of in the middle of it all. Um, and there were other students that had other dietary restrictions that were also impacted um, and were mandated to buy the food plan. Well, they started a class action lawsuit. It settled December of 2012, and what came from Department of Justice was uh, you couldn't make students buy food plans if you couldn't provide food for them that was safe, and they, each student was awarded $50,000. The university was fined. They were required training and adaption and all sorts of uh, new and interesting programs um, to be put in place, and that came down from the courts. The biggest finding was they determined special dietary needs, food allergies, celiac disease, came under um, disabilities, the ADA law. Yeah. And that it was a disability, so you had to meet it. Um, we are seeing, you know, one college, all they have to do is go get trained and spend, you know, a couple hundred dollars to uh, maybe even a couple thousand dollars to go through a full-blown audit and train a bunch of people. Um, and from that, they can attract, say, two students that will stay for four years. I mean, what's the return on the investment? And and colleges yeah. are seeing hundreds of students now that have special dietary needs. 
Yeah, it's it's definitely not the exception anymore. I mean, everybody knows somebody, either a friend or a family member, um, who does have some sort of dietary restriction. So it's it's only reasonable to think that those are those folks are going to be present in every part of society. And when you do confine someone to a campus like that, or require that they that they purchase a, a dining plan, I remember. Before my celiac diagnosis, I was just a vegetarian, and um, I had to buy a meal plan. And it was such a waste of money because I would walk through and I would get a bagel, and, and I'd walk out, and that was my meal for the day. <laughs> you know, And I just mm-hmm. wasted all of this money, but I had to purchase it. It's a requirement. And um, so it was... Um, it was the same then as it is now, apparently, with these required health or the required um, meal plans. And so, yeah, Leslie University case was an incredibly huge precedent, really opened the eyes of the universities and colleges around the country. But also, as you know, you've also noted with your K through 12 program, other schools are taking note as well. You know, and the, what's the best way to prevent lawsuits and liability? You know, to get educated and to do, you know, to embrace the best practices of the industry. And I think we're seeing mm-hmm. this starting to trickle down into just regular restaurants as well. You know, if you really want yep. to embrace a gluten-free menu, if you really want to attract gluten-free consumers who, by the way, eat with people who aren't gluten-free, it's not, you know, people say, oh, it's only 1% or only 6%. <laughs> yeah, but they have friends, you know, and yes. we, we yes. eat out with others too. So, you know, it, it ends up being, you know, a large segment of society who's looking to, to eat at a restaurant that they or a family or a friend um, can, can eat at safely. And it's just, it's the way of the future. And I'm so glad to hear that there are more and more programs like yours out there to educate because all that's going to mean is that more and more of us are going to be able to eat out safely, are going to be able to trust that, you know, we're putting our, um, you know, our health in the hands of others safely. Thank you again <laughs> for taking time. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, I love you. what you do. Keep up the good work and definitely we'll have to have you on again in 30 days or so when you can talk about um, other big news that's coming up. Um, love to, to hear about it. So thank you again and thanks for your dedication to our cause. Okay, Jill. Thank you very, very much. 